This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You know, you got to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next time the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. It's a lot harder to do this after a loss. Hey, everybody, Matt Bagley with you, Justin Hopkins as well. It's going to sound a little funky today because I had to bust out a different set of equipment to get this podcast, but we're going to get it to you and we're going to talk ducks and get you ready for a uh, jam packed holiday weekend. Yeah, it's always you know it's just I guess uh, I mean we're in we're in a little different room in the studio, so it might we might get a little different vibe in here for today, which is nice. Uh, you know, just so folks know ahead of time, uh, you know, doing it this way, we're not able to to bring any guests on, which you know we're sorry about, but I think we do a pretty good job of doing that week in and week out. So uh, there's no surprises. It's just me and Matt today. So hopefully you guys, uh, I, I don't know. This podcast, I assume people are probably listening to it on their way to wherever they're going. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, I hope you're not playing this over Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. I mean, that would be kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think about what you tweeted out about the scoop or about the juice, about the juice. Yeah. Where you said, hey, I don't want anybody to have any marital strife or holiday drama, right? Let's give this to you early. Get yep. it out of the way. And I feel the same way, man. Like I mean, nobody's working today except for you and me. Oh, good I mean, lord! Everybody's sitting at their computer, kind of doing th- this thing. But you know, as soon as the boss walks by, it's like, yep, okay. Trying I mean, to get out while the bomb cyclone is yep. uh, in the distance. They're checking Facebook. They're checking their fantasy football rosters. They're you know they're they're doing all that kind of stuff. Right today. Right. Um. Maybe they're pre Black Friday shopping. That sounds like hell on earth to me. Well, I know. Well, I don't mean like out, but you could obviously doing it online, like on Amazon or, or whatever. You know, maybe uh, you know, maybe pick, uh, so. Kim and I went out last night to the mall, only because her daughter had ballet from five to six, and so it was like, okay, we'll we'll just kill an hour while she. Everybody had all their Black Friday stuff. Out, you know, all the the places we walked into, uh, you know, American Eagle these doors for our our teenage boys. Right. Um, they're like, yeah, we're we this is our Black Friday stuff now, and I mean, we were we were like, you know, two of six people in the store. It's like, okay, yeah, this I could do this. Yeah, yeah, I am not going out Friday. I don't want to be there at four a.m. No, no, I am not leaving my house Thursday night to go shopping. <laughs> I am not leaving my house Friday morning to go shopping. That stuff is not. If you're listening to this and that's you, more power to you. It will not be myself. I don't know about Matt, but no. it's not me. I'm in the same boat, man. I want to plant my butt on the couch and eat some leftovers and watch some football. Um, how do you stay positive after that loss? Ducks go down to the desert, lose. We can say now, no playoff. That's not going to happen. No, no. But you still feel like there's a silver lining to this team. You know, I do. I guess it depends on if you want to be the the, the small picture person or the big picture person. Small picture, yeah, they lost. They shouldn't have lost. Should have beat ASU. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You know, Oregon was outcoached in that particular game. I think Herm Edwards did a good job coming up with a very – uh, winnable game plan for them. I think they did some things on defense and on offense that they hadn't done yet this year. And, you know, that that, that confused Oregon. They weren't prepared for it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that this football staff, Oregon's, 
prepares very well week in and week out for games. But when, you know, when things change, that's really where they're tested. And I think that's where they were really tested this weekend. Uh, and something I wrote about, I don't know if you read it or not, but something I read, wrote about is that, you know, yeah, is this a senior, a somewhat senior-laden team? Yeah, the starters are, are fairly uh, significant in terms of snaps and experience and all that kind of stuff. You've got juniors, you've got seniors. But in terms of them being experienced, being, you know, 9-1 or 10-1 or whatever the case might be, basically getting everyone's best shot week in and week out, they aren't experienced in that. And that's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, Alabama... Those players are all coming in as freshmen and learning from the, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors about how to win a game week in and week out. It takes a different mentality to do that. Right. Clemson, same thing. You don't just do that overnight. So I do think Mario Cristobal is creating that. But as far as having a roster full of players that have have experienced that, he doesn't. I mean, they're, most of these juniors, or excuse me, these seniors, their best season was last year, you know, winning those eight games uh, under Mario Cristobal as it was. Um, and don't forget, it took the bowl game to get to those eight. So yeah. uh, you're in uncharted territory. And not to mention, you're in uncharted territory for your coaches. Your head coach really hasn't been in this position as a head coach. His best season at FIU was an eight-win season uh, in the Mighty Sunbelt Conference. Right. Totally different step up here. And then, you know, you're as, as good and as much as we like Andy Avalos, both of us, first year DC in the Pac-12 still. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's great. He's done a great job, but there's going to be some learning bumps here and there. Really, the only one that has much experience is uh, Marcus Arroyo. For, so I think you've got a I think you've got a group of players and a group of coaches. My takeaway from this game, you've got a group of players and a group of coaches that probably use that game as a teachable moment, and hopefully, hopefully, grew up a lot on Saturday. Uh, following that loss. I totally agree. Uh, The way I said it on my radio show Monday was think about expectations in August of, I don't know about you, but I know when I asked fans, what do you expect about this team? Everybody said nine wins, 10 wins if you're lucky. And, and just be competitive. Yeah. Or they would say, I don't care about wins, just beat Washington, beat USC. Right. And you've done that. Yeah. You have a Ducks team with Mario Cristobal that can say at the end of the year, if they keep it up, yeah. 10 and 2, yeah. Pac 12 champs, Rose Bowl berth. Right. That's a really, really successful year. You've met your expectations. Are you going to win a national title? No. But. You've exceeded what you expected in August, and I think that about this Ducks team, I also think, and and this is something that I've just kind of stewed over the last couple of days, what are the odds of getting burned on a third and 16? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean... How fluky that was. It, it was. I mean, it was a great... Obviously, it was a great play call. We can, we can hindsight it and say that was a great play call. I mean, I think if you're Oregon, you're going to take your chances there that they're not going to, you know... Uh, go for that but i mean if you're asu you got i mean you have nothing to lose why wouldn't you you know and really that was a a really uh good design there by asu because not only uh, lenore's an aggressive db he always has been it's a positive in most cases it bit him there uh secondly uh you had pickett was on that side for uh for, for safety help for your deep help and it I'm not it doesn't have anything to do with that game. Pickett's a liability in the past game. Always has been. That's weakness to his game. You know, if you're ASU, you really identify. They literally did nothing except drop back and and just chuck it. Yeah, throw yeah. up a prayer. They were hoping. Yeah. And the one in a million chance. Yep. That paid off. Yeah. So, I 
am disappointed, obviously, that the Ducks lost that game. But if it comes down to a fluky heave on third and 16 right. late in that game, think about it. If if they don't get it, they punt the ball back to Oregon. Yeah. It's a one-score game. And yeah. I trust Justin Herbert and the offense to come back and win it. You're, in that last 10 minutes. Right. Not in, in the that, first 50. <laughs> no, no. Um, if, if that third and 16 goes another way, this team is still talking about the playoffs. So I don't yeah. feel like we can drop them off uh, that far down after one loss. You mean as far as the pollsters did, <laughs> the oh. committee? I, I, no, that I, was egregious to it, me. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a little bit far. Um, but at the end of the day, I think much to what you're saying, Matt, is the – absolute difference between an elite team and a really good team is as small as a third and 16 prayer that get. I mean, it just, it is, it's totally. razor thin. Totally. And you know, it, in August, one of our biggest concerns, and I, and I say, all right, I mean, basically all Oregon football fans and media, our biggest concerns about this team is how will they perform on the road? They've performed pretty well on the road overall. That took a mindset change, a culture change. That took you know a lot of work from Mario Cristobal and his staff to correct that. I think, and I, and I and I start thinking back, uh, you know, prior to this game, last two weeks, we start hearing Mario Cristobal really talking about his one and O mentality. I think that's the next step. You know, I think that's something that Oregon started winning enough. It's like, man, we gotta, you know, I know what's if you're Mario Cristobal and you've been at Alabama and won the way that they have, you know what to expect when your team's suddenly 8-1, and 7-1, whatever. And in, in, in the playoff talk, you have to shift and say, okay, well, we've fi- fixed the road problem. Now it's how do we stay focused week in and week out? How is it a 1-0? You know, it doesn't matter how many games we've won prior to this and who we've beat. It's we want to be 1-0 at the end of this week. And I think he started to adopt that. And, I, and obviously – they just got caught. I mean, they flat out got caught. ASU right. had a good game plan. They played a really good game. You got ASU's best shot. You've gotten everyone's best shot. And I think for the freshmen, sophomores, and even juniors that stay on this team, that was an absolute teachable moment. Now, I feel like we're sugarcoating a loss. I'm trying to take the good away. I mean, yeah, they still lost. They're out of the playoff. That thing's all, But like you said, Mario Cristobal was really playing with house money at this point. Right. He really was. Right. A couple of close wins. You could have lost to Washington. Right. You could have lost to Washington State. You win those games, got a little lucky, now it swings to the other side. Let's face it. You could still win 12 games this season. Right. Which is crazy. Right. We all said nine. Like, the line was nine. Do you think Oregon will be above or below nine? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people said nine was the number. I mean, really. You know, and now here we are. We're talking, and whether you want to count the bull win or, win or not, we're talking about potentially being at 12. I do. Yeah. I, I think... I remember growing up, Ducks going to the Fiesta Bowl, smoking Colorado that right. year with Joey Harrington, and then the next generation where Bilotti gives way to Chip and the Ducks are going to bowl games every year, and, and elite bowl games, Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, yeah. national championship games. If you get back to the Rose Bowl and you win that Rose Bowl, yeah. That is a statement. Yes. Oregon's back. Yeah. No, it's an absolute statement, especially, especially, especially with how poorly Washington's played this year. And I, I don't want to say poorly, but they have not been a very good football team. Yeah. They really haven't. So, to your point, you're making an absolute statement. USC, you know, they've been good. Utah's been a great team, but let's face it, Utah's not a great team year in and year out. They have 
you know, they, they're pretty constant as far as staying, you know, about the, above that 7-8 win level. But very rarely are they in the position they are this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Kyle Whittingham's a great coach, but, I mean, they've got probably their best team right now. And, you know, I, I feel that Oregon's being set up for, you know, success year in and year out. I think Utah, you know, with the way they recruit, I mean, look at their recruiting class. It's like, it's below USC. I think they're the only one below USC right now. And I think there's a fair point to be made. It's easy for Duck fans to panic right now and say, sure. this team we just saw in the desert isn't going to beat Utah. I think the Ducks have played a tougher schedule than Utah. I think Ducks have played a tougher schedule than Utah, and I know we'll, we'll definitely get into that game, but I feel that the style of football that Utah plays is the style of football that Oregon has the most success with. With Oregon struggles with those you know, spread teams, tempo teams. They, you know, the, the, the Mike Leach air raid teams, those have always given Oregon fits. Right. And when you, when, when Oregon plays a, a Stanford or even a Washington for that matter, where they try and, it, and, and play power football, Oregon's built to handle that. And that's definitely how Utah plays. So I'm not saying Oregon's going to smash them, but I've already, I've already laid my claim out there. I think Oregon beats Utah. Yeah. We can get more into that, but I think Oregon beats Utah when it's all said and done. Well, we're a week away from that fun. Yeah. One. That's, uh, yeah. That's, Civil War. We just gave the dessert on the on the Thanksgiving uh, dinner right there. Right. That's what that was. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, a little pecan pie getting yes. you ready. <laughs> um, Civil War. Yeah. It, it's funny how this worked out. We tried to get some guests this week. We and, did. and this is where I actually got to make a call out of the bullpen. Yeah. Usually, you're the superstar when it comes to getting interviews. You, I, you were my middle relief. Right. I tapped right. tap the left here. I interview a lot of Beaver beat writers for my radio show. Right. Have a lot of contacts there. Um, some of the guys are, are not a great listen, so I reached out to Bob Lundeberg at the Oregonian. He's busy traveling yeah. over the holidays. Sure. I uh, reached out to Travis Johannes, building the dam. He's busy traveling over the holidays. Um, but I feel okay because I watch this team a lot, and I think this is a really fascinating game from, yeah. from a lot of angles. Of You've got a... Ducks team stung after a tough loss. Yeah. They're going to be fired up against an arch rival. You've got a Beaver team. You could say the same thing about them. I don't know how Oregon State lost that game uh, Saturday. Yeah. They are really hurt. That fourth down call was brutal. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, and just a really fascinating program. They remind me a lot of Oregon a couple years ago. Yeah. I think like the first Willie Taggart year where yeah. you win some games, I think like the Arizona game is a good example, where that defense really grinds Arizona, gets the win, and everybody's thinking, why can't they play like this every week? Right. And then they lose to somebody else by 30. Right. That's Oregon State this year. Oh, yeah. They uh, have glimpses. Yeah. They do. And, you know, back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, th- they play a style of offense that could be potentially – Dangerous for Oregon. Right. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot closer to an Arizona State offense. Uh, and, and not the same principles, but just in the way that they attack, you know, attack with the ball through the air. Um, then uh, Stanford offense, for that example. I think they're a lot closer to ASU than Stanford. Yes. And those traditionally are the, are the types of offenses that give Oregon uh, problems. And so... This game is like it's twofold. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a double-edged sword for me. I, you know how you know how what what Oregon State team are we going to see first and foremost? That's right. that's a key there. And then secondly, you know, Oregon's at home. Justin Herbert's played much better at home than he has on the road, and that's throughout his entire career at Oregon. 
And was ASU the wake-up call? Was that like the, hey, guys, look, you can't just go through the motions and beat whoever lines up against you. you got to show up and play football, mm-hmm. you know? So We hope so. Yeah, I'm, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's a twofold there. If you're going to get a good Oregon State team, I guess it'll come down to how alert Oregon is after that loss to ASU. If you get the bad Oregon State team, it's probably really not going to matter on the other side of the ball. Yeah. And but they're two huge questions. Yes. And, and we'll find that out Saturday. I yeah. think the other thing that just really intrigues me, <clears throat> the weather reports are not kind for this game. No, that, no. Which has been my reluctance to go to the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard you're going to go. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. So, how does snow affect your tailgate? Uh, it 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 most times it pushes me inside the Mo Center, which I don't <laughs> mind. I like the Mo Center; it's nice, but it's you know it's ten dollar beers or you know I think it might even be twelve bucks. I can't remember. Oof. They're expensive, and they that's fine. You. They get you. Uh, you know, it's warmer, it's dry in there and stuff. But yeah, as far as being a fan out in the stands, it's like oh man. And then you know, Kim, my girlfriend, she'll go with me. She hates the cold. I mean, she just she gets. She gets cold and she gets grumpy, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh boy, for you. So yeah, we're we're talking about going. Uh, it would if we do go, it would you know wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if that one was done at halftime and I could go and finish it in the mow for the second half. <laughs> yeah, not to sound like a fair weather fan, but yeah, literally a fair weather fair fan. weather fan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I just I don't do well with the cold and stuff. But you know, funny part is I'm putting together a turkey bowl for for the mall for Thanksgiving for Thursday. So. I mean, I guess I'll brave the cold for some things. No, I, th- I think it'll go away by then, at least where we are. Yeah. I feel for uh, everybody east of the Cascades right now. Oh, yeah. Anybody, anybody driving over there, it's yeah, it's something. I got a picture of Ben this morning. It's it's coming down. So, Civil War Saturday, Oregon, Oregon State, if the Beavers win this game. And I'm with you. I, I don't know what Oregon State team will see. Right. I think there's a chance that Oregon really wakes up from last week and drills them. But let's get into worst-case scenario. Yeah. If the Beavers win this game, does it change your perception of Oregon football? That's a great question. And really, you know, obviously it'll be a great topic for us next week, depending on what happens. But, yeah, I you can't lose a second one here. Let's not... That's not, you know, as much as we sugarcoated the ASU loss, which we did a little bit, you can't lose a second one here. I mean, this, I mean, you know, you, if you're trying to build the type of program Mario Cristobal is trying to build, and I believe he is building, you absolutely cannot drop a second straight bad loss to Oregon State. So this is really where you're coaching. Your coaching and your effectiveness at, at, at getting everybody focused and ready I mean, you, you're, you're putting it on the line this week if you're Mario Cristobal, if you're Andy Avalos, if you're Marcus Arroyo, um, because let's just face it, we, we write this game down on paper, and 10 out of 10 times Oregon should win. I don't care how out of their minds Oregon State plays or any of that kind of stuff, Oregon should win this game. So, yeah, I'm, I would definitely have some pretty uh, substantial criticisms of, of the coaching staff next week if they're not able to beat Oregon State. I know that's, I, I know that's tough to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure they're, it's not like they're taking the week off and just sitting around waiting for Thanksgiving dinner then to go play the game. I, I know that's not true, but you want to be the type of coach that's, that's elite and, and you know dominating the conference. You absolutely can't drop a second straight one here. I totally agree. I, I think back to the year where Helfrich lost to Gary Anderson. Yeah. And all off season, even when the Ducks replaced Mark Helfrich, get a new coach, even when Oregon State, really doesn't make any waves in recruiting. Right. The 
narrative in the state, all the headlines, all the discussion for nine months was that Oregon State was on an upward trajectory. Right. And you don't want to give that to your rivals, especially this team, because I, I feel like there is a growing narrative building that Jonathan Smith has stepped into a fixer-upper yep. and done the job. Yeah. Well, I think he's doing a good job, no doubt about it. And I, uh, as far as your upward trajectory, I, I, I think it's hard to dispute that they're not you know, on the upward swing. But, uh, I mean, let's face it, the you know if we labeled – Oregon State fairly at a six right now. Oregon's at a nine. There's a huge gap there for them to try and close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't see enough out of recruiting right now to close that. Uh, I don't really see enough. You know, the one thing there at that particular time, we talk about Gary Anderson, Mark Helfrich, there were some really good in-state Oregon football players that year that came out. Right. None of which went to either school. You know, you had Coda heading down to UCLA. You had Talanoa Hufunga go to USC. I and, mean, and Lindsey scoring touchdowns for Notre Dame. Yeah, and right. I, if I believe, I'm trying to think, it would I might be a year off, but I think that was year Molden went to Washington, or maybe he was a year before. I think he was a year early, might have been, but I remember he, that too. Yeah, that, that one was fun. Yeah, I mean, you you had in a two let's just say in a two year span there. You had a half dozen legit, you know, Pac-12 level players go to every other school in the country besides Oregon and Oregon State. You know, I think that per- the, the narrative that you're talking about there really hurt Oregon because, you know, let's be real, Oregon State wasn't at a spot where they should have gotten any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe save Talanoa Hufunga, who basically grew up on that campus. But, um, yeah, you know, again, for Mario Cristobal, you, you, you abs- I mean, no questions about it. You got to win this game. I don't even care. It, it comes back to me, win by one, win by a hundred. Just win, baby. It doesn't matter. You really. Right. That, I mean, that's exactly what's on. Everybody's talking about. You got to blow them out. You need style points. Oregon doesn't need style points. It does. You know, we're not talking about playoff here. They need to win and get ready for Utah. Period. Plain mm-hmm. and simple. Yeah. No style points don't matter anymore. Nope. There's there's no scenario. This right. is not 2007. Right. You're not going to have a bunch of upsets lift you from 15 to 2. No. Yeah. And especially not in the last week of the regular season. Right. Don't worry about the playoff. Nope. And don't worry about rankings. Nope. If you take care of business, yep. you beat Oregon State, and then you find a way to beat Utah, you're in the best place you could be. Yeah. Pasadena. Yeah. The goal right now, is, you know, is basically to be 2-0 and here over the next two weeks. That's yes. it. If you're Mario Cristobal, hey, guys, Let's just finish two and zero on the season. Right. Period. I mean, that's it, and uh, that means obviously, if you if you are preaching that, it means that you're not overlooking Oregon State. You got to beat them, and then of course you know what you're going to get in Utah. I, I think Utah, that game's going to end up being some ugly ass, you know, fourteen to eleven ball game or something. God, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I hope not. Yeah, it will. You know it will. That's total Pac-12 right there. I'm going to be in Reno that night, yeah. sitting in a sports book, watching yeah. the game. I hope it's a good one. It'll be a vin- it'll be it'll be a vintage way. And then, however, however it happens, I, you know, I know I said Oregon wins. Let's assume Oregon beats Utah. It's going to be some blown call or something by the refs that, <laughs> that you know impact the game. That's vintage Pac-12 right there. Right. We know it's coming. Yeah, Pac-12 yeah. refs on a Friday yeah. night. What do you think about the uh, the Friday games in the Pac-12? That's stupid. Yeah. I think it's stupid. It's dumb. I mean, I, you know, all I would say, if I'm Larry Scott, okay, figuring out my Pac-12 championship game, I want as many eyeballs on it as possible, right? And I want to get as many people in the stadium as possible. Well, first of all, putting it in San Francisco is stupid. I mean, because it's expensive as all get out to fly into 
to get a hotel. I mean, it's one of the most expensive places on the West Coast. Right. Vegas makes way more sense. And it's a neutral site game, yeah. so a lot of the home fans can't go. Right. And people get amped to go to Vegas. People don't get amped to go to San Francisco. I mean, I like San Francisco, but it's not. A lot of people don't like to go there. It's not Vegas. No, Vegas, like, huh? Okay, what? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, I can walk around on the streets with booze. Awesome. Let's go. Hundred dollar flight. Yeah, hundred dollar flight. Hotels. Yeah. Tons of flights. Cheap hotels all over the place. Buffets. You know, that's first and foremost. Secondly, don't ever play a Friday game. Okay, I mean, just people. You're talking about people basically have to travel on a Thursday or a Friday morning to get there. You know, you're taking an extra day off of work. If you do it on Saturday, a lot of folks can work a half day on Friday or even leave Friday night and get there. I mean, it's just much more sensible. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the only other thing I look at, whenever, whatever time slot the SEC championship game is at, I just don't take that time slot. That's it. That's all I care about. <laughs> just either play before that or play after that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're, you're not going to compete with LSU Georgia. That's for damn sure. No, but that's, those are my two parameters. Move the damn game. Or three parameters, excuse me. Move the game from Friday to Saturday. Move it from San Francisco to Vegas. Just don't do it in the same same time slot as uh, and I think that's usually like a twelve thirty ish game or three thirty right. something like you know what I mean. So you could go at five, you could go at noon. Just depends on what's going on there. What bums me out is that Saturday conference championship Saturday SEC title game, yeah, Big Ten title game, yep. ACC title game. You have these marquee conference championship games. You do playoff implications, New Year Six implications. And then the Pac-12 says, yeah, let's let's cheat and play on Friday. Right. And I think that's the problem. Had, you know, yeah, you made the game at 5 o'clock on a Friday, which means that it's 8 o'clock for East Coasters. They can watch it. But let's face it, by the end of the game, it's 11 o'clock. How many of those people that are age 50 and above are still going to be up watching the game? Mm -hmm. You know, not many. And you really haven't done yourself any favors much favors there. You've done yourself a lot less favors trying to convince people to go to San Francisco at a game that starts at 5 o'clock on a Friday with all that traffic around there. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget about it. I mean, f- I'm f- and no pl- and no real great place to tailgate. I mean, that's not a – Levi Stadium's not a, a great tailgating atmosphere. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, it's just not. So, you know. Uh, whatever. That's the single biggest crime that the uh, the Bay Area teams have made with yes. the Warriors leaving Oakland, the Raiders leaving Oakland, the Niners going to Santa Clara. Those are awesome tailgates down there. Yeah. And I speak as a diehard Raider fan. Awesome tailgates. I've been to the stick uh, when the Raiders and Niners would play in the Battle of the Bay. Fantastic tailgate. Santa Clara doesn't even compare. No, it's it's like businessy or you know what i mean it's yeah. stuffy it's it's, the, it's investors and, yeah and tech people going down and drinking 20 dollar wine and right in the back of their tesla not or, fun yeah no not a fun crowd no i'm looking for the dude that shows up with some crazy rv that's all painted up and you know got his buddies hang out the window <laughs> you know that's yeah that's tailgating man yeah bunch of bunch of barbecues out there with chicken wings on it and the, the way it's always been described to me is you want your parking lot to be filled with 30 different kinds of smoke. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what makes Austin so great. It's, I mean, it's an awesome tailgate community. I'm not even talking about the game or any of that. It's an awesome tailgate community. I mean, way better than Oregon State's. I, yeah. mean, I mean, Oregon State's first problem is not getting enough people to go to the game. But even when they do, I mean, I've been up there for a packed house, and it's like, where's everybody tailgating? It's so spread out. I mean, right. it's like a little bit pocket here, a little pocket over here, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, 
That was it. Yeah, Pac-12 championship. So yeah, uh, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Talk. Yeah, I just I'm so excited. Oh, there's a civil game. war this weekend. That's right. Right. Yeah, we should probably be talking about that. But no, uh, I already put my prediction out. I don't know if you read. I did it just before I came down for this. You, you feel pretty confident about the Ducks. I, I, uh, my belief is this. I believe that uh, I believe Mario Cristobal will get the ship, you know, pointed in the right direction. I do believe that Oregon State's going to come out very spirited. I do believe they'll put together a really good offensive game plan in the first half. I believe both teams will go in at halftime. Oregon will make adjustments, and. Overall, their power game, their physicality will start to wear down Oregon State at that point. I think it'll be a reasonably close game at halftime. I think Oregon wears them down in the second half and, and just kind of opens it up. That makes a lot of sense. I I agree with you. I, I feel very similar to you. The way I described it Monday was if we have snow in the forecast, yeah. It, it any football game where the elements come into factor – I look at it one way. Right. Who's got the better line? Yeah. And who runs the ball better? Right. Who yeah. runs the ball better? Who stops the run better? Right. Oregon is the answer to both of those questions. By a significant margin. Yes. I mean, Oregon State relies on the pass game heavily. Yes. Yeah. If if Luton to Lindsay or or Luton to Bradford or Luton to Togiai gets a little frosty in yeah. the elements, I like Oregon's chances. Yeah. And I, I just, especially... When you look back at the tape last year and you ask yourself, okay, why did Oregon dominate Oregon State? Watch these plays. C.J. Verdell, you and I could have run through those holes. Oh, yeah. Uh, That Oregon line was incredible, and they got better this year. I think that's a key factor, and I think the Ducks are going to be two to three touchdown on top. Not to mention that offensive line has three seniors on it. Yes. Playing their last game. Their at last home. home game. Yeah, I mean they're against gonna, their rivals. Yeah. You don't have to get those guys amped up anyways, but yeah, I mean that's you know, I mean that's enough juice right there to get this. So yeah. Uh, I really like your points there. I didn't really bring the elements into my equation and I should have. I, I think it's a, a really good point that you make there. Um, regardless of us tailgating inside the mo, the game's still gonna be played outside, so it's definitely a factor. Now, if it's good weather and and this is really the only thing I'm concerned about for Oregon. Jake Luton is a way better quarterback than people think. He is, but man, Jaden Daniels is a freaking stud too. Right. I mean, they're, right. Yeah. And their their games are obviously different. Right. I think Daniels is a lot craftier, but if Luton can find his outside receivers, yeah. Tyjon Lindsay is a freak. Isaiah Hodgins might be the Bletnikoff Award winner at the end of the year. Yeah. They've got some pass catchers. Yeah. If if they get that part of their game going, we could see a shootout. ASU gave you a little bit of a blueprint. If you're Oregon State, I mean, I I don't. If I'm Oregon State, I've done nothing but watch the ASU game all week, and literally broken down every because, you know, to th- even if it doesn't match what you do as an offense. Uh, or a defense, I think you try and, and get some of that in there. Now, of course, we know you can't go make wholesale changes to your team uh, in the 11th week. We know that, but I, th- I think you definitely take some of those principles or figure out areas where you maybe have something similar and try to utilize that because realistically, ASU attacked you know Oregon vertically and they really challenged Oregon's super aggressive DBs, especially Lenore, and they lit them up. Mm-hmm. They just did. Even Javon Holland had a really rough game, I, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what to make of that in particular because those are some really good football players that had a really bad night. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, if you're Oregon State, you're hoping they have a second bad night, I guess. Right. I, I'm with you. I think the, the key takeaway from Saturday is not 
pointing fingers at Justin Herbert right. or pointing fingers at Andy Avalos. Yeah. I think the takeaway is it's really, really, really hard in major college football for a good team to consistently bring it every Saturday. It's a law of averages at the end of the at the end of the year. It's a law of averages. I mean, you know, your let's just say your success rate at winning ten games plus is probably twenty five percent. Your success rate at, at winning eleven games plus is probably fifteen percent. You know what I mean? You it just keeps decreasing. The you know the odds of you winning that next game keep going down and down regardless of opponent. And I, I think wholeheartedly wholeheartedly there's a there's an absolute reason and a science to why the sec always schedules that eighth game the ninth game as a layup you know as western carolina or citadel or samford or whoever Mm -hmm. there's an absolute science to it and we continue to see that they're not penalized for it if they're not penalized for it why would they change it so i mean if you're oregon it really becomes adapt or die another criticism of larry scott i mean why are you not looking at what they're doing and trying to get give yourself every advantage to compare to what they're doing? They've laid the blueprint. Right. So at that point, you may as well just copy it. Well, that's on Larry, too. I, oh, I yeah. don't think he cares about football that much. He doesn't. He cares about money. That's all he sits up in his... <laughs> I mean, he does. That's a, he's, just, he's just a... I mean, he is... He is my, my take is he's just concerned about revenue so he can make his investors happy. Right. Period. Right. Well, and make the presidents happy. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah. they don't care about football. No, no, they don't know about football. No, no, but you you need a uh, a commissioner that does know and care about football, and Oregon doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. All right, so I feel pretty good about the Civil War. Thirty minutes there. What talking. was your? You didn't give a prediction. I. Oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oregon's gonna win. Oh okay. And anywhere from two to three scores. Gotcha. I think I went. Uh, I'm just. I I could look it up on my phone, but I think it went. 44-24, something like that. I think OSU will score enough points in the first half, you know, maybe somewhere between 15, 20 points in the first half. I think they'll get slowed down in the second half. Yeah, yeah, clamp down on them. Yeah, I think Oregon will you know, basically be able to run it out. And then we'll talk about Oregon-Utah in the Pac-12 title game next week. Yeah. But this is a, a, a nice little fun week for us. Got the big rivalry game. Yep. Also got a lot of big games in college football and got some hoops to talk about. We do. Do you want to go there first or do you want to go five games? I say we go five games. Stick with football. Keep it going. Problem is I didn't just list five games. But okay. We can breeze through that some bitch. Oh, we'll, we'll count them out and figure out what we have. Figure out what we have. Yep. Pick five non-Oregon college football games that we think you should watch. The beauty is this week we got a lot of Friday games, not yeah. just one or two, and not like Maxion. I mean, we got some legit, <laughs> got some legit Friday games. Uh, you got a full slate on Saturday, so even if you're going to the Civil War, you watch some games before. Nice thing about one o'clock game, you'll be able to go home at four thirty, five o'clock, watch whatever's on that evening. You could get still get a couple games in. You get the five o'clock kicker you know, the 8 o'clock kicker, whatever the case might be. So I wrote down a bunch, but I would say uh, the reasons obviously shifted away from, you know, having an eye on the playoff. We throw that out the window now. So, mm-hmm. you know, f- you know, frankly, at the end of the day, I-, I still wrote it down. You got the Iron Bowl, Alabama versus Auburn. Yes. Not the same weight it had last week. You know, yeah, you're going to watch that game. Um, uh, surprisingly, Alabama's only a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that one, at least as of right now. So 12.30 at CBS, you're not going to get to watch much of it because your game's at 1, mm-hmm. uh, your duck game's at 1. So uh, anyways, 
that's that. I'll, I'll I'll go with two more, and then I'll have you go with a couple. I wrote down Cincy versus Memphis. I think that'll be a great game. That's a Friday game. Uh, you can watch it at 12.30 on ABC. Memphis, despite being ranked number 19 since he's 18, Memphis is an 11-point favorite there. I think Memphis wins. That's going to be a fun game. That'd be a good game. Yeah, since, yeah, it's an 18 versus 19. Uh, Memphis, 11-point favorite, but it's a Friday, 12.30 on ABC. I wrote down Ohio State-Michigan. I know you probably wrote that one down. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprising, much to my surprise, o- Ohio State's only an 8.5-point favorite. I think that's pretty generous. That's giving Michigan a lot of credit here, but that's a 9 o'clock game on Fox, so you'll be able to watch that one and still uh, watch your Civil War game. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down Bama-Auburn, Iron Bowl. Again, Alabama's only 3.5-point favorite there, 12.30 CBS. Give me a couple years. So I have Iron Bowl. Yep. And the reason why, even though we're not really cared about the playoff anymore, right. is the history of this game. You have the kick six. Yeah. You have the Cam Newton comeback game. You have the Amari Cooper explosion breakout superstar game that cemented him as a top ten pick. I don't care what the playoff implications are. I just care about good football. Yeah, oh, yeah. And this is going to be a good football game. Yeah. Also have Ohio State-Michigan. Now, I don't think that's going to be a good football game. Me neither. I, I said last year, you know, I was bereft. I, I'm i never going to trust Jim Harbaugh again. He's never going to beat Ohio State. I stand by all of that. Yeah. Buckeyes are going to win. Harbaugh is never going to beat Ohio State. Right. But this game has some Rose Bowl implications. It does. A little bit. Yeah, it does. I, I still think Ohio State's going to blow them out of the water. Um I guess, to your point, Michigan's number 13 right now. I guess you watch that and see where they fall. Right. I mean, that's I mean that's the only way it impacts Oregon at all, really. Unless they win. Unless they, yeah, unless they win. Right. But it's the same. I'm really interested to see the Iron Bowl and see if Auburn wins where they drop Bama. Because Oregon got screwed this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you're not convinced. You're, you won't convince me Oregon didn't get screwed by at least three spots this week. I agree. In my opinion. It'll be interesting to see what they do to Bama. That will be Alabama's second loss. So, really, they should be outside of the top ten. I agree. I agree. If they, if they lose this game, they have no chance. Right. They it, can't even hope for any luck in the championship week. I mean, if we're playing equals here. But, mm-hmm. again, probably not. Oh, no, they won't They'll end equals. up at eight or nine. It's Alabama. Yeah, exactly. Other game that I have... Friday, and I'm surprised you didn't go here. The Apple Cup. I do have that one down. It's down my. Is that on Friday? Yeah. Oh yeah, I have it listed. I I have like 12 games listed. That's I'm not fr- even joking. F- oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Friday, 12:30. Yep. Washington, Washington State, and I know that neither of these teams has a shot at the Pac-12 title. Nope. I feel like this is a year Washington State can get that win. This is Mike Leach's year. Bet on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I and some and. Washington's only a seven-point favorite. That's probably the lowest they've been favored in this game in a while, if I had to guess. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, that game's on my list. Washington, uh, Apple Cup. Definitely watching the Apple Cup. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't. I, I mean, just I, go wazoo, right? Right. Dubs down. You hope they finally get it. Yeah. Or, or maybe you don't. I mean, think about this. Uh, you were making fun of Utah's recruiting and, yeah. and where it relates to uh, a certain team in L.A., but... USC might keep Clay Helton. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, if you're Oregon, the only thing better than your loss to ASU was the fact that USC might keep Clay Helton. And and that's great for Duck fans. Oh yeah, you want Clay Helton to wear those colors for another decade plus. 
I almost feel like Chris Peterson is in that zone. Oh, oh there's no look question. At, look at what Mario did to him in recruiting this year. Yeah. Cleaned up on him. Yeah. No, uh, Chris Peterson's – honestly, Chris Peterson's probably the biggest benefactor of that because I got a feeling when USC finally replaces Clay Helton, whoever starts recruiting down there is really going to ding into what Washington's class. I mean, Washington's got a couple good dudes, no doubt. And so I feel like y- you almost don't want the facade revealed. You don't right. want the rest of the world going – you know, Chris Peterson's kind of overrated at Washington. Right. Everybody's starting to catch on, though, because he's, he's the Jim Harbaugh of the Pac-12 now. Ooh. He can't win the big games. He that. just can't, uh, you know, I mean, or he's big game Bob, whatever you want, either way. Bob Stoops had the same problem. Right. Cleaned house on the inferior opponents, but couldn't beat the, the top-ranked guys. And Chris Peterson, the same way. So Apple Cup's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. I have uh, two more games. But real quick on the Apple Cup. Sure. If you're an Oregon fan, you're never rooting for Washington to beat anybody. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I don't even think they were rooting for Washington to beat Alabama a couple years ago. I I think it's a situation where you see Husky fan chime in after this loss in the desert. Yeah. You want to shut these guys up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have have a, a, a gif or something queued up right now waiting for them. No doubt about that. <laughs> um. I already teased the re- only reason that I'm watching the khaki versus the Buckeyes is Big Ten implications yes. because of Rose Bowl matchup. Yep. Wisconsin mini. Yep. That is essentially a play-in game for the Big Ten championship. Yep. No, it is. Uh, 12.30 on ABC. Wisconsin is a three-point favorite in that one despite Minnesota being higher ranked. Row the boat. Yeah. Row the boat right into the ocean huh i think wisconsin will run all over them i think wisconsin's gonna run the ball all over them i think back to your wisconsin michigan pick a few months back where you're just like hey this is obvious take wisconsin by 50 they're gonna grind them they're gonna run the ball all over them and uh, i feel that way about this game yeah i also feel like for the same reason that Oregon struggled on Saturday, this Minnesota team might struggle. Yeah. They're they're talented, right? But they're young and have they been here before? Yeah. Totally uncharted territory. Before. Yeah. For PJ Fleck and for his team. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. And then uh, last game for me is Utah Colorado. Yep. And this is just the standings will not move. Nope. This has no implication on the Rose Bowl, no implication on the Pac-12 title. It might spoil the playoff for Utah. Utah needs style points. It still matters for them. Yes. Not for Oregon, but for Utah it does. But where I'm really intrigued by this game is I just want to watch Utah and get a better feel for this team and and find their mentality before they face the Ducks. Yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, Colorado's coming off a huge win over Washington. So, I mean, they're going to be riding high. Uh, you know, probably a little higher than 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 they would have, you know, had they not. So I, I think I think they're going to give Utah a game. I don't think they're going to beat Utah, but I think they're going to give them a game. Uh, and you know, the one thing I like is that Mel Tucker does play a little bit of an SEC style of football there. I think that will present some challenges for Utah. Uh, again, I think Utah's beating up a lot of inferior opponents. They're playing great ball right now. Utah's twenty-eight and a half point favorites there. Yeah, well, it's, they're they're blowing out everybody this year. They are, yeah. But I, I actually, I think that's really high. I think that's ten points too high. But mm. we'll see. Mm. I think Colorado can hang within fifteen of them. I'm not saying they'll win. That's going to be a fun one Saturday. Yeah. No, that that's definitely one you're going to want to watch. Uh, I so your your list is done. I wrote yes. down three more, and I'll get through them quick. Notre Dame versus Stanford. Just see if Stanford has a pulse, even though they're beat to death. They have all kinds of injuries. Yeah. I still think Notre Dame's 
overrated. I just do. I do that every year, but it's a 1 o'clock game on Fox. Notre Dame, 16.5 point favorites. Uh, A&M versus LSU. I mean, again, You just want to see chaos. Yeah, you want to see chaos. That's it. I mean, you know, a week ago this game had way more implications. We were all, you know, team A&M, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I, yeah, I, LSU is a 17-point favorite there, so they should probably get it done. And I wrote down uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Fun game, always. Lots of offense, lots of firepower there. It's usually, uh, you know, 45 to 41 type of football game. Those mm-hmm. are kind of fun. So Oklahoma is a 13.5-point f- favorite there. But pretty good slate of college football this weekend. If I were just looking at what's the most fun game on the schedule, I would have picked that one. Yes. Because Oklahoma State, yep. A, you've got the mullet. Yep. That, that's that's fun. Just, just in general, always fun to watch the mullet on live TV. But Oklahoma State has some really good players. I think Oklahoma State's going to win that game. I think Oklahoma. Wow. Well, Oklahoma's defense is awful. I mean, just awful. Right. So, I mean, one turnover. Whoever wins the turnover battle there wins the game, period. Yes. Plain and simple. Totally. That one stat, to me, wins the football game. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I think Oklahoma. I mean, you're talking about two top 25 teams. I mean, so you got number seven and number 21 in Oklahoma State. I think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, probably the funnest game all weekend. You're right. Yeah. Cincinnati-Memphis might be pretty fun, too, though. It, it's it's tough for me. My dad is a humongous Memphis fan. I'm a big Mike Norvell fan. I have been since he was at ASU. Yeah. See, he, he just loves the city, and he loves the school. Oh, yeah. The uniforms. Uh, as, as a businessman, he's been to Memphis a few times on trips. It's his favorite city on the planet. Right. And uh, he always roots for them. Gotcha. So he, he's telling me there's a couple of NFL prospects on that team. Oh, no. Mike Norvell knows football, man. That guy is he's, – he's the next – Yeah, I think he's the next big coach. I don't know that he's there yet, but you get a couple more years of experience like he's getting at Memphis. You know, somebody's going to take a chance on him. Uh, you know, might not be – USC's probably not smart enough to do it. Um, but somebody like – you know, like a Washington or somebody that moves on, I think he's going to get a pretty good job somewhere, and I think he's going to really build something. What do you think about USC? Let's say, well, I mean, we can't really They don't say. play this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So I, here's my take on So we'll, we'll, we'll grind this out with USC. I, uh, I, everything I've read, and I, so I don't know USC like I know the Oregon program, but everything I've read suggests that the uh, one of the worst decisions – uh, Lynn Swan did was to re-up Clay Helton's contract last year. I believe in that re-up. There's a massive buyout now. I've seen it reported that it's as high as $20 million. Oh, my God. If that's the case, which I'm not saying it is or isn't because I don't know. They're screwed. They're screwed. You cannot pony. And I know USC's got money, money. I know they've got money. But you're going to tell me that you're going to pay $20 million to get rid of Helton, who won eight games, and has a, a fairly good offense in play there. You're gonna you're gonna pony up twenty million to get rid of that guy. The only way you're doing that is if you're absolutely certain you're getting Urban Meyer or James Franklin. Mm-hmm. I, for me, I've always felt you could cross James Franklin's name off the list from the get go. I've never felt that was a viable option at any point. If Urban Meyer's the option, you're paying him close to $10 million a year. Yeah. You're talking about... He's going to want John Gruden money. He's going to want John Gruden money, and you're probably going to have to give him a bunch of that up front. Right? So let's just throw out a number. You're maybe talking a $40 million investment right now today. If those numbers jive, if 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 the $20 million that's reported is close, you're talking maybe in the area of $40 million just to get him to coach your team. Now, it, it might be worth it. That's a lot of money. Right. Like a lot, a lot of money. Oh, 
they're screwed. Yeah. If it's a $20 million buyout, there's no way you justify that. You no. can't say, let's fire a coach that, for all his flaws, doesn't ever create scandal. Right. And replace him with a guy that might that burn does. in a year yeah. because the entire nation hates him. Right. Uh, that will create scandal. Right. Yeah, you have a serious That's not happen. You have a serious identity problem for the program. And by the program, I'm not talking about USC football. I'm talking about USC. Yes. Yes, you got people cheating to get in on admissions. Yeah, you've got a severe <laughs> image problem down That's there bad. that doesn't just relate to you. And not to mention the football team before Clay Hilton had some black marks on it, you yeah. know. So, uh, again, to me, I know everybody that covers USC, you know, Scott Schrader, who we've had on before, everybody down there, oh, count down to Herbs. You know what I mean? Everybody, oh, Urban's coming, Urban's coming. You just wait, Oregon fans, Urban's coming. And the whole time I've been like, man, I don't know, I don't know. And now the more and more comes out, felt Bruce Feldman basically saying this morning he's hearing the that they want to keep Clay Helton. Right. Um, well, at that price tag, yeah. No, I bl- no doubt they yeah. send that in. I believe that's why. I believe. I mean, the pro. You know, the the three strikes against getting rid of Clay Helton is the fact that you have an image problem. He's about as clean as they come. You know, he won enough games to keep you respectable. Shoot, they could still potentially end up winning the South. I believe. If Utah loses, I think they still have a chance at the South. I could be wrong on that. I haven't paid close enough attention. I think Utah has the head-to-head, right? No. No, the tro- you're right. You're right. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. No, if Utah loses. Right. My goodness. So how are you going to fire him? How are you going to fire he, him off those? T- just those two things. Al- just those two things alone, how are you going to fire him, coupled with, okay, who are we going to hire if we fire Clay Hilton? Is it, if, if, if it's not Urban... You know, I don't think it will be. If it's not Urban, who are you going to get? It's a pretty big gulf. Right. It's either Urban or Jack Del Rio. Yeah. yeah. And then, not to mention, even if Jack Del Rio's your favorite, you got to go sell that to the boosters. Hey, I need $20 million to get rid of this guy. <laughs> to go bring somebody that, that just out did X, X, and X, and then go get uh, Jack Del Rio. You're excited now, right? Yeah. No, I'm not. Right. Yeah. I mean... I mean, Willie Taggart's available. Yeah, I mean, ta- yeah, you know, <laughs> they could really do something for sure. Good lord, twenty million bucks. Even, uh, even if that number's off by five million, let's just say that number's off by five million. It's still an absurd price tag. Yeah, anything over five million dollars, which you know we all think, you know, five million. They, yeah, they can come up with it, no question. But as an as a brand new AD, brand new AD, a month on the job, you have to go sell to all these boosters. Hey, I need. $5 million, $10 million, $15 million, $20 million, whatever it is, to get rid of this coach. And then I'm going to need another 10 to $15 million to get the next coach plus his new assistants. Yeah, that's not going to fly. No. What's going to happen with USC? They're going to fire Pendergast as DC. That's going to be the scapegoat for this year because obviously we've already changed offensive coordinators. They flipped everybody last year. Yeah. yeah. You're going to fire your defensive coordinator this year, which buys you another year if you're Helton. They'll be better. They'll actually be better. They've got some young guys coming up. They're going to be a good football team. They'll, they'll do enough offensively to win. If they can get even a pulse on defense, they'll be good enough. And there you go. All right. That's my guess. That's my take. Well, I, I think that's the big story in the Pac-12 this week. Oh, it is. No question. Nobody nobody else getting The problem is Arizona would love to fire Kevin Sumlin. I think he's got a $7-ish million buyout. They can't fire him. It's too early. That's way too much money for Arizona. They do not have USC money. Yeah. They, they are not a program that operates on that type of budget. They're well, stuck. To send this full circle, we started the show talking about expectations and what Duck fans expected in August. Arizona fan 
in their right mind, there's no way they could ever expect 10 wins. No. That is not a, a program that can consistently compete at the top of the conference. Well, they got rid of their best chance to do that, Rich Rod. Right. Rich Rod actually made them a respectable program, at least on the football field. So uh, the allegations aside of whatever happened down there that, that pushed him out the door, he at least was a good football coach in that regard. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. It feels like every college football coach does what he did. Bobby Petrino with a secretary on his motorcycle, you know, it just feels like that happens everywhere. You now. know what? Uh, everywhere except the, Eugene. I'll it, say that. I'll say know, everywhere here, except Eugene. Oh, yeah, that 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 kind of stuff will never happen with Mario Cristobal. I, no. I, I say that wholeheartedly and convinced. Secondly, uh, this goes off on a tangent, but I've met Rich Rod and I've met that secretary. And honestly, the story doesn't surprise me, but I think I think Rich Rod got done dirty. That's okay. all I'll say. That's all I'm going to say on that. Some, I've met them both in person. Well, I think it's wise that that's all you're going to say. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. The story that came out doesn't surprise me, and it's not because of Rich Rod. So. Lawyers, if you're listening, uh, please... Uh Stop listening. <laughs> yeah, don't just, just don't listen do, to this podcast. Do not call into the Scoop Duck <laughs> hotline at all. No, uh, Justin Hopkins does not want your troubles. No. Uh want to talk some basketball? Oh, basketball! Yeah, let's talk some basketball and then let's go eat some turkey. All right. Let's play some basketball. Okay, so we still got lock of the week, player of the game coming up. <laughs> I but totally forgot about that. Got to spend a couple minutes. We do. on the Oregon men. Who might be top five by the end of the week? Oh, uh, I thought was it Goodman? Jeff Goodman had him number one. Number one, they're top five, man. Wow. I mean, at least the good thing is that uh, they don't play Evansville on the schedule. They don't play Stephen F. Austin. They don't play either. Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, <laughs> you can avoid those hurdles. Isn't it, what a crazy, crazy start to college basketball. So college basketball is definitely vintage. Lose early, and you can still get over it through the course of a season. Oh, man, just imagine if yeah. a playoff committee got their, their hands involved on that. Yeah, they would definitely figure out a way to screw it up. But um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, you've got uh, – so you and I are recording this on a midday, on a Wednesday. Later tonight, uh, Oregon will tangle with uh, top 15 Seton Hall. Yeah. Battle for Atlantis. My buddy Joey Mack is down in the Bahamas. Tough assignment. Oh, I know. Poor Joey. Well, so he he got himself in trouble. He was on Twitter, and he's like, hey, I'm going to miss the Civil War, and i got to listen to the radio just like you guys do. And it's like, well, great job complaining, Joey. Yeah, yeah. You missed the Civil War because you're in the freaking Bahamas. Yeah. Why don't you come here so I can throw a snowball in your face, Joey? Right. Now, he says he has a cold. I don't know if he's got a hangover or not. Yeah. But I, I will give him the benefit of a doubt. And feel bad for him if he's got a cold, because yeah. I hate broadcasting with a cold. Joey doesn't strike me as a drinker. Super nice guy. And I just talk. I was joking about the snowballing. He's awesome, dude. Joey's right. great. Yeah, uh, pro- probably not. Probably not hanging some back with you and I. No, no, I doubt it. <laughs> I just don't think that's his style, which is totally fine. But uh, anyway, yeah, top fifteen game later tonight as we record this, Seton Hall uh, against Oregon, six thirty on ESPN two. So. Which means we'll all get to watch it. Yeah. Or we can watch it, most of us. Yeah, it's not on Pac-12 Network. We got that going for us. This. And Tomorrow, yes. if they win mm-hmm. and if Gonzaga takes care of business, yeah. you finally, after years, get that Oregon-Gonzaga game. Yeah, bring on Mark Few. We want Zaga. That's yeah. been the call for years. Yeah, it has been. Dana yeah. Altman, Mark Few, yeah. best two coaches in the Northwest, the best two programs in the Northwest. By far. Bring it on. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it'll be a great game. It'll be 
I mean, it'll be a close game. Uh, except, well, obviously, we can't over. Oregon's got a tough test in Seton Hall, first and foremost. Yes. Zaga should take care of business there. But, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, it, it's a great few days, if you're an Oregon fan, it's a great few days of sports. Right. You got uh, the Duck game later tonight, and then we got Civil War. Uh, the women, as we're next to talk about, I assume, the women are, are in the Paradise Jam. So, also in a very tough setting of right. the Virgin Islands. How about that? Who who scheduled that out? Where oh, man. let's send the men to the Bahamas. Right. Let's send the ladies to the Virgin Islands. Right. And let's see who complains more about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the women, as we're recording this, they have Oklahoma State Thursday uh, midday at twelve. So tomorrow midday. Right. So as you're getting like the turkey, you could watch a little bit of NFL. And you could, well, you can't watch this game though. That's the problem. I think you have to, you have to find a stream online. Flow for it. Sports yeah. was what I Flo, read. Like F L O. Yes. F L O Sports. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. not going to do that. I, I'm going to be driving, so I'll gotcha. miss that game. Yeah. So you, I mean, if you have a computer at home or you know a streaming service, you can watch it that way. Otherwise, uh, big thing there though. Uh, you mentioned you went through the schedule. They'd have U T Arlington on Friday, uh, and then a. Big one Saturday with Louisville. Right. And I still feel like number one team in the country, you beat the Stars and Stripes. I still don't know how that score happened. I think this team wins all the way. I think they they set records and create headlines where I remember for decades. But if you're going to lose, this is one of those games you circle and you think they could lose. They might lose. Yep. At the very least, you think there's a chance this game is close. It'll be close. And and like you said, you can lose. Here's a here's a thing though. This women's team has won. All the players, you know, most of the players on the team have won. They have leadership. Uh, they have a coach who's experienced winning. You know, this is we were talking about earlier the difference between what Mario Crystal Ball's at. Oh, oh yes. In his career yes. and his team. Uh, they are the blueprint. Yeah. Football can learn a ton yeah. from watching Sabrina and Ruthie and Kelly Graves lead this squad out every night and kick ass. Yeah, Kelly Graves is at the Nick Saban level in terms of basketball. So you have a team that, yeah, you see a number eight Louisville coming on, and uh, you know I don't think there's any doubt that Sabrina and Ruthie and all those girls are going to say, hey, we know we got to test, we got to be 1-0 after tonight. And probably be able to execute it, and that's where Oregon football wants to be. It's just something that's learned. It's something that experienced, and they're. I think they're going to get there. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, the women. You got a. You got a. You got a game there. I imagine. I imagine that one will be on television. I didn't look, but I imagine you know Oregon. Uh, Oregon women versus Louisville. At least it may be an ESPN two or something. Hopefully. I didn't see it. It'll be tough because it's a college football day, so they might not have an opening somewhere. I think Flow Sports has the rights that whole weekend so just for that tournament. If Paradise you're in the Jam. Mo Center for the Civil War, it's, they'll probably figure out a way to stream it. If I had to guess. Oh, they have to. Yeah, I'm sure they will. They have to. Yeah, they will. Uh, so uh, there's basketball, there's football, other than uh, the next two things that we've got to do here, which is pick of the week, lock of the, pick, lock of the week, and player of the game. Lock of the week. Yes. I feel like after last week, after all the criticism, after all the question marks, this is the bounce back game for Justin Herbert. Okay. Gets off to a good start, high completion percentage, not sloppy, really efficient couple big strikes maybe you get the play action game going because that offensive line establishes their dominance and justin herbert 300 yards a couple touchdowns no picks wow 
No, yeah, the no picks is the big part there. That really, really, really hurt Oregon against ASU. Uh, not only the fact that they threw picks, just that they were already deep in their own territory there. That that really put the defense in a tough position. Uh, I'm actually on the same side of the ball as you, but I'm going con- I, I, I'm going opposite. I think Oregon's going to run the ball. I think when they got away from it against Arizona State, I mean, you were averaging 5.5 to 6 yards a carry. You were absolutely just gashing Arizona State left and right anytime you wanted to run the ball, mm-hmm. and they'd get away from it. And I think that's a lesson learned there. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, okay? And I understand you do have to throw the ball a little bit. you got to keep the defense honest. I get all that. But at that particular moment, you got to identify Justin Herbert was having a really tough game uh, at ASU. I think he will have, to your point, I think he will have an efficient game. I still think he will have some good connections. I think there will be some big play strikes because of the play action. I agree with all those points you made, but I think it will be on the back of the run game. I think Oregon runs for over 250 yards in this game, and and I think... I think that's how you win the game. Again, okay. Whether it's by one or 100, just run the damn ball. So player of the game. Player of the game. Go ahead. Let's see who you got. I've, I've watched a lot of Oregon State this year. Okay. I have seen a offense that is pretty consistent, Yep. a defense that's not. And I think the one thing you can point at this Beaver defense week after week, their corners are small. Their corners – Fade routes, goal line plays, third down plays. I don't trust their DBs against Jawan Johnson. Gotcha. I think he makes some big plays. Jawan Johnson, player of the game, and Ducks win. Yeah. So you're thinking the Herbert to Jawan Johnson connection strong? Yeah. This week. And, yeah. And if Michael Pittman hadn't been hurt, honestly, yeah. Yeah. it would be him yeah. because schematically. The Oregon State corners are a bit of a weakness. The other thing with Oregon State, if you watch the tape week to week to week, they got eaten alive by screens this year. Right. And I think about all the sweet screens that they've drawn up for Micah Pittman this year. You wish that he was healthy for this game. Oh, no question. Because he could just feast on this defense. But that aside... I think the Ducks take advantage of just a height mismatch, and yeah. Jawan Johnson has a big day. Well, and here's the thing that a lot of folks don't think about just because he was a transfer, but Jawan Johnson's a senior. So this is his last home game, and maybe Oregon's not his home of homes, but I think he's really embraced his, his role in Eugene. He's tearing year. it up. He's tearing it up now. I, I think, you know, to further your point, he's a senior. He wants to make a statement with the rest of the guys, which leads me to where I'm going. I, I'm not getting fancy with my pick here. I'm going to Troy Dye all day long, senior, linebacker, the heart of the defense. He had a, a decent game last week. I know he had a lot of tackles, but he did make some some bad reads, some bad angles last week. I think that even with the club and everything, you know, this is a guy that's really embraced Eugene as his home, you know, obviously leading shout, all those fun things that have come with Troy Dye along the way. Uh, he's a tackles machine. I think that I think it's Troy Dye Day on right. Saturday. Right, Sen- and senior, you know, all that comes with it. I think the really clutch thing about Dye, he's in that group that lost a couple years ago. Right, he knows you can't fall asleep on this team. Right, you can't take this game for granted. You have to beat these guys. You got to beat their noses into the ground. Yep, and you got to do that for the entire state. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I, I think you want to leave your legacy at Oregon. Yes. Um, you know, I do have this uh, different topic. I do have some current concerns about his ability to translate to the NFL successfully. I think he's going to end up being one of those guys that was a great college football player, you know, might have a tough time making it in the pros. I hope not. I would love to see him su- succeed there. But uh, I think this is his chance to kind of, like, go out on top. You know what I mean? Just and again, he knows he's got a couple more games to play, but this is the last one at Austin. I think it will mean a lot to him. Oregon legend Troy Die. Troy Die. I like the ring to that. So, Ducks win. Ducks win. We got that. Ducks win three times, right? They're going to win in basketball on men's and women's. They're yes. going to win in football. Yes. Uh, I, got a, I got a tricky one to send us out for you, though. I didn't prep you for this. You know, I've been doing this on the, on the Brian No Show a little bit. You got to give me your Thanksgiving food power rankings here, like your top three. Oh my God! Okay, so for me, it's desserts count. You can go. Well, the pecan pie. Yeah, pecan pie is going to win. I mean, we're not number one, hands down, across the sky. We're not ten years old anymore. We can eat dessert dessert first if we want. Right. I mean, pecan pie is going to win. Okay. Number two, and and this is like a two A two B. My mother in law makes the best effing salsa on the planet. Gotcha. Oh, and like a like a Mexican salsa, yes. chips and salsa, okay. spicy with like a crap ton of serrano peppers in it. Yeah, and oh my god, I will just sit there for hours waiting for the turkey to get done, just dipping into salsa. Oh, so so to me that's a two A. Nice. Two B is uh, my dad makes these homemade mashed potatoes. Nice. That are to die for. Of you put the sour cream in it, you butter them up. They're really rich. And then um, still kind of chunky. Gotcha. Put like little chunky pieces in. It's, yeah. it's perfect. Right. Um, dark meat, pecan pie, and those two sides. Those are my, my top three, you know, three Four-ish. A, three B. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And that's really it. I, I don't do the cranberry stuff. No. Nope. I don't really care for the casseroles right. or, or the spinach dip or anything like that. Yeah. I'll leave that stuff alone. Yeah. Stuffing. Meat and potatoes. Yeah, that's where I'm at. It's like, you know, I was doing, we did it earlier this week on the Brian No Show, and I'm sitting here going, uh, really, for me, the power rankings are simple. Give me turkey, mashed potatoes, and rolls, man, and just repeat. Just repeat. That's the other thing. Yeah. Sometimes I will put some gravy on there. I don't like a ton. I'm not a huge, like, gotta have gravy. I I like a good gravy, but it's not like I gotta drench it on my plate. It's... Again, if I have a plate that has turkey, mashed potatoes, and rolls, and some butter, I'm done. I'm good. Right. I'll just keep repeating that. My dad will bust out the King's Hawaiian sweet rolls. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you bake them. Yep. And you get that crispiness. You can't beat that. No, you can't beat that. Put just a little bit of butter in the middle or on top, either way. Mm. Yeah. No, that's it. That's it for me. I'll just keep doing that all day long. Why did you have to do that, man? I got to eat lunch today. Yeah, but we're only a day away. (laughs) You get to eat it tomorrow. Uh, are you right. going to Portland or are you I staying am. down? Oh, okay. I am. So I get the mother-in-law's you get the salsa. salsa, and I have no idea who's going to cook. Like, this was the, the fun thing last year. Went up to Portland, and it was my brother-in-law's fiance that made the turkey. And so we just sat around and played games and watched football all day and just nice. waited till like, 8 o'clock when she got the turkey. Oh, wow. And uh, that was our Thanksgiving. I deep fried a turkey last year. First time I'd ever right. done that. Yeah. Right. How'd that turn out? It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, first and foremost, uh, my buddy came over and we we did his turkey and my turkey and we just stood out there drinking bourbon. So we did them Wednesday night mm. and we were just sitting, standing there drinking old fashions and bourbons with a fire pit. And then we had, the, so we, 
it was awesome. It That's was just, yeah, we it. were just doing outside with, under the tent. It was drizzling a little, but it wasn't crazy. Uh, like I said, fire to keep us warm, old fashions to keep us warm. Uh, he's in Phoenix this year, and uh, my mom wanted to make the turkey this year a little different deal. So I'm not, I'm not, de- I almost, almost triggered a turkey this year i was gonna smoke a turkey oh my god that sounds good yeah i haven't done it before but that that'll i'll either do it next year or i'm gonna do it for christmas that was kind of the deal i made with my mom i wonder how tough that would be i don't know the only reason thing that made me think of it is there was uh one of the hardware stores around here was doing a showing and i'd seen it on facebook like hey come and we'll kind of you know show you tell you how to do it and set up a you know smoke a turkey Mm -hmm. and you could try one that we've done or whatever so uh I was going to do it, but it, I think it was on Saturday. It was, like, it was like during the duck game or something, and I couldn't go. Um, so then I'm like, well, I can just watch a YouTube video. I, I mean, I'm sure there's videos on how to no doubt. trigger a turkey, you know. Um, and, you know, again, just I'm not going to do it this year, but I'll probably do it next year. Well, you can – it. there's YouTube videos for everything. How, to, how to trigger anything. Everything. Or you can get on Traeger's site. They have all kinds of recipes for – uh, Brussels sprouts or asparagus right. or, or, you know, obviously, you know, tri-tip, whatever. They've got all kinds. So I have no doubt I could get on there. But I might tr- try and do that next year. Someday when my fiance and I are older and we have the responsibility of we got to make the Thanksgiving dinner, yeah, I would try something like that. Right. That's my wheelhouse. So we do, for us, we do, you know, so obviously me and Kim have have the kids uh she shares her kids with her ex-husband every other year okay and for me my ex-wife typically works on thanksgiving until about two-ish so my kids would be with me and we have like an early thanksgiving like say at one or one thirty. Mm-hmm. so there's a lot of cooking wednesday night or whatever but you know we eat with them as a family my you know my grandma's still alive my mom's alive they're here we all get together that's awesome um you know so we we shift between my mom's house and my house every other year it's her turn this year and, uh, yeah, we'll have the kids, we'll eat about one or one thirty, and then I'll get them ready to go with their mom and they can go eat, you know, Thanksgiving with her and her family. So they get double, double dip. Oh, wow. Yeah. They get the, you know, wow. they're, they're usually full for that second one and they try to eat a little, <laughs> but we, you know, we make it work. It works good. So, but for Kim, you know, with her two kids, it's every other year. She does not have them this year. So, um, yeah, we'll be at my mom's and just, I think it'll be about 10 or 12 of us and she's doing most of it. Kim's doing the pies and. I don't have anything I have to do this year, so it's mm. kind of nice. I like to cook. I don't mind it. Right. Um, you know, there's certain dishes I, I, you know, that I can do pretty well, and you know, I can do mashed potatoes. I can do a lot of, a lot of the dishes. Um, but yeah, my mom, she really likes doing it. So she's, I, I, like, she's already cooking now. You and I, are, I text her on my way here, and she's like, "Yep, I'm already cooking." Wow. Okay. Wow. Get it. Well. You know, it's it's mouthwatering talking about all this food. It is. I got to get some lunch, man. We got to call we, this a day. We do. I I'm, have one more for you, though. Sure. I have one more because it's Thanksgiving, right? Okay. So, what are you thankful for this year? What am I thankful for? This is it. This is like this is like, I'm not springing anymore. And I have legitimately sprung these on you. I don't want people to. Think no, this that is we, good. Yeah. This is good. I am thankful for good friends. Yeah. I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for the people that listen, the people that read, the people that comment and talk to us every week and tell us things that they like, things that they don't. I am thankful for my bosses. Nice. I love who I work for. I love what I do. Makes a big difference. It does. Yeah. When you like coming into work every day and working in talk radio, right. it's a really easy <laughs> job to like. Um, thankful for that. I am thankful to live in the best state in America. Yeah. I am thankful for my fiance and her family and for my family, and I am 
really thankful to cover these great teams. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. A lot it, of fun. it's it's a lot easier to you talk about how easy it is to come into work. It's a lot easier to come into work after a Ducks win. Yeah. It's a lot easier to come into work when the Blazers go to the Western Conference Finals. Right. It's a lot easier to go into work when the Seahawks and the Niners are Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, both good. Yeah. It's it's really enjoyable for me. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I'm thankful for a lot of things. How yeah. about you? Um, you know, it's pretty it's, – It's. I think it's always basic for me. It really comes down to family. You know, uh, my kids, for all the times that I yell at them, and I know I feel like I'm always hard on them and stuff, but they're healthy, they're happy, they're successful in school. You know, all and, and you, you know, it's, it's you know, everybody, oh, of course you're – well, I am. That's just – I mean, that's what I'm – you know, I'm thankful for Kim and all her support, you know, having, uh, you know, as well as I do, having somebody that's supportive of what you do and how hard you work and always, you know, reaffirming that. That goes the distance. Yeah, I mean, there's days where you're like, man, you know, this I'm just frustrated, whatever, and you have that partner, that somebody that says, hey, you know, I know you're working hard, let's go get a beer or, you know, uh, whatever. You know, just having that person there that says, I appreciate how hard you work, you know, all those things. And, and you know, as we head in tomorrow, you know, having family around, you know, my mom's, my mom lives, six minutes away from my house. My grandma lives one minute away from her. So they're both within, you know, six, seven minutes of my house. My, my daughter, Taylor, who's eight stayed the night at my grandma's house, which is her great grandma who's well into her eighties. You know, that's really cool for my kids to still be that old and have, you know, my, my grandpa, you know, did pass last year. So, you know, they've still been able to get to know him you know, I've, uh, Cooper's 14, almost 15, so he was able to get to know his grandpa for, uh, his great-grandpa, excuse me, for a long, you know, for a decent time of his life. So. For 15 years. Yeah, you know. It's, That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that is you cool. know. Um, so, yeah, I just, and of course, you know, just where we are, Scoop Duck being a community, something that basically was created out of nothing, you know, and I think that you and I have talked about this. This is such a competitive market. What really encapsulates it today is, you know, I said, hey, Matt, I know you do a lot of Oregon State stuff. Maybe is there a guy that we could get to interview? And and not to nitpick, but there was only a couple that were like, yeah, there's a couple that are pretty good. Let me try. Oregon, you know, the Oregon market, you know, there's 15 people to try and contact to talk about Oregon, yeah. the Ducks. And, you know, I mean, it's such a saturated market. And, and you float and survive and thrive every day in that yeah yeah and like we do i mean our podcast a lot of people i mean maybe we don't have the numbers but we don't have a network supporting us but every week we're getting new people listening i'm constantly getting messages on facebook uh in my dms on twitter like man just listen to your podcast and it's really well done just want to let you know new people every week that you know might not even subscribe to scoop duck but they like the podcast, right. you know, so, you know, anymore, it's about branding. And I think that you and I have built a really good brand with this podcast, you know, obviously piggybacking on my site. Um, you know, I get people on my site DMing me and stuff saying, hey, I met such and such user and we had a beer and had a lot in common. It was really cool. And at the end of the day, I met them through your site. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at a function. Actually, I was at the, the Morton's thing last week. Yeah, the Morton. Yeah, yeah the Morton. You know, uh, I, ironically enough, I was at uh at Tucker's AAU basketball parent meeting Tuesday night. And I sitting there, I had a scoop duck hat on, you know, I was just, I think I was in joggers or something, but I was just sitting there minding my own business. And, uh, a Medford PD officer was there in uniform. So I assume he was, you know, working and taking a minute, but anyways, you know, uh, I just, I'd looked over and saw him real quick and I, you know, I didn't know him and I just was sitting here and 
minute later he walks up he's like hey nice hat i was like oh yeah and he's like yeah love love the site you know just super quick nothing crazy he didn't want to chat me up but just like randomness you know what i mean just that's cool that's cool and i'm a big you know thank you for your service i'm a big i appreciate you know uh, first responders police i I appreciate all those guys right and and for and, and gals you know, for what they do. So, um, it's just cool. It's, you know, just so much to be thankful for every year. And I feel like when you verbalize it, like we're doing now, it really appre- makes you kind of appreciate it more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can think it in your head or even write it down, but you kind of verbalize it. And it just, so I encourage people listening to do that, find a partner or a, a friend or say, man, you know, just so dang thing, you know, or do it at the table, you know, do it at the table tomorrow. Everybody's sitting down like, Hey, just thankful. We're all here. You know? Yeah. But, that, that's that's some zen. That's what Jake. it's about. That's what it's about. Celebrate Thanksgiving. Have some family fun. And if you're traveling, we're thankful oh, that yeah. you're listening. And be safe. Be yeah. safe. Scoop, duck, and high five. I can do this now.